Remember, when you lead August, let him do the talking. Don't you ride my train? You eat my food without my permission? While hard-working men labor all day for the same privileges? And these filthy roustabouts are my family. You, you are an intruder. And I can tell you one thing. That star attraction horse of yours, it's not going to be walking in a few weeks, let alone performing. Veterinary sciences? What school? Cornell. I'm sure Rambling has his own. And then I was just dreaming that I was a girl. And that one day I'd wake up and I'd run home. And then, circus came to town. Between the covers. I suppose we can't establish that I am weird anyway, so let's just leave it at that. Well, that's good. I mean, you're, you know, Mm -hmm. you bring a little color and pizzazz to the proceedings. Absolutely. Okay, so (laughs) Tina Turner passed away earlier today, and Philip would like to say a little something about that. What is stuff, you know, that she's legendary performer in Mm -hmm. pop culture, sort of a symbol of the perseverance of women. Yeah. To the extent that she even changed her religion to Buddhism because Christianity told her, you know, oh, deal with it when her husband was beating the Jesus out of her. Literally switched religions. It was that traumatic. Up at Cobra Club that uh, Rolling on the River would play. That was like the seminal moment or the the main moment of every... Nobody doesn't know those. Shelter house dance. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been singing uh, What's Love Got to Do With It all day long <laughs> around the house, you know. And in a, an appropriate song for situations in our lives. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Popped, as soon as I heard that, you know, I couldn't get it out of my head. I don't blame mm-hmm. you. I think Mick Jagger said he stole some of her moves. Did he? Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised. He needed moves. So, yeah, the, uh, what's love? Her legs. Yeah, her legs. Are leg- you know, that was definitely a big part of her. Oh, yeah. Uh, Even at like 70, mm-hmm. she was showing off those gams. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Hers rank right up there with Ian Anderson. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> my, uh, yeah. My grandmother had great legs in her 70s. I mean, great. I do remember that. There was like a, mm-hmm. a photograph. Yeah, there's a picture. There was nothing but her legs. Uh-huh. Like, and it was like, yeah, people would comment on that. They, oh, right. legs is, you know, it's like, well, yeah, guys were like, uh, yeah, is she available? And I said, why, yes, she's single. Grand. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, I, I just also wanted to mention it because uh, one of our podcast to, partners. To be fair, in that picture, there was a baby. It just didn't show her head. One of our podcast friends uh-huh. is hosting a uh, impromptu episode tonight. An uh-huh. evening at the movies. Okay. Is uh, doing an impromptu. Tina Turner uh, episode. What's love got to do with it? Or yeah, is that the one she just said? Yeah, I think so. Is, is that the name there's, of the movie? There's about five different ones. Yeah. Right. Well, tune into there, uh, an evening at the movies with Casey and Amanda, and they'll tell you which one they're profiling. But maybe they're doing show. all of them. Could be the Ike and Tina story, the Tina Turner story, the Ike story. Well, no, I don't think there was just an Ike. Well, there was just an Ike. Oh no, but I mean, yeah, you know, um, it wasn't called yeah. just Ike. Right. There was a movie told from his perspective. What he play? And on- honestly, he didn't look any better in that than he did in the the others. Uh-huh. Rocket 88. Ike Turner okay. played on Rocket 88, which some people think I know what is, that is. is actually the origins of rock and roll. It's a mm-hmm. song. Could be. I mean, okay. it's a really 
good rock and roll song from like the yeah, mid to early 50s. Yeah, I think if you Google first rock song, it might pop up mm -hmm. like top of the list. And then after that, everything's downhill because he's a real mm -hmm. bastard. Yeah. Her whole life story is, you know, kind of women empowerment and that, you know, because of the abuse and and her fame and her her strength and just the strength that comes out in her voice, you know, that kind of power. Mm -hmm. It's it's she's well loved and and well uh I don't know. She's a good woman's icon. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, rest in power, Tina. But yes. that's that's not what we're here to discuss tonight entirely. We're getting between the covers again. It's an episode of Between the Covers. <laughs> I got too close to the mic for that. Ooh, no, you did yeah. not. That was hot. You can do it again. <laughs> I thought I thought the P pop or the B popped. Do it again mm. for the ladies. Yeah. Between the covers. Ooh. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah. And it's getting weird because mm -hmm. tonight my sister is joining us. But uh -huh. <laughs> right is that we, weird? <laughs> yeah. Well, between the covers. I don't know if you saw oh. the artwork from the first between the covers, but I think I'm gonna switch it up a little bit. It's <laughs> okay. okay. <Yeah. laughs> you know what I mean? Well, so, I think I you do the do the artwork and in the artwork just show uh uh uh, in this one, a woman alone in bed with her wine glass. Okay. And you can make the artwork for each one. Like, for instance, uh, the ship who sang, I would like a, a, a teenager reading with a flashlight. Okay. Might be able to make that happen. And they could all be in bed. Mm -hmm. And then if people want to imagine something else, well, whoever, from that artwork, that's not my fault. Yeah, well, they will. Mm -hmm. But my sister Terry is here to join us. And she picked the book that we're going to cover tonight. And that is Water for Elephants by Sarah Gruen. And I'd like to take a little bit of a chronological approach to it. I don't want to jump straight to the ending, but I do normally put the guest a little bit on the spot to kind of frame the story of their book at the top. And we'll, of course, help you with any, yeah. anything that we, that we can. But <laughs> Basically, he's asking you for a synopsis, Terry. Yeah. 15 minutes later. Well, okay. Let's, now I got to wing it. You didn't tell me you were going <laughs> to do it. <laughs> Uh, he has a synopsis if you want him to do it or we could just go straight into like the beginning of the story okay so opens on oh okay well it's the story of a young man at the time that was going to cornell and his ambition was to be a, a veterinarian or some something in that yeah uh, yeah he's going to join his father's veterinary practice right. yeah. yeah yeah that was it and then um, Jacob Jankowski, he had a very, very uh, tragic thing happen on the day of his final exams, where his parents, both of them, died, died in a tragic accident. And so he had to leave the exams. And by the time they went through the estate and all that business, he realized there was no money. 
So he could not get back to finish that last little tad bit, you know, that would have made him a licensed veterinarian. Well, and 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 there, I think he 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 did end up being able to go do that because it was out, that was already paid for. But what it was that, was, I, yeah, that was never really clear. I didn't quite yeah, understand they, um, that the, part. They mortgaged the house to pay for his education, and I think they might have mortgaged the practice too. Right, and because of because of their death, they couldn't continue to honor that. And he wasn't a veterinarian yet, so the pressure was on for him to take his final exam while dealing with his parents' death, and he couldn't deal with it. Yeah, and he just he just left in the middle of the exam without right, right doing anything. He went back to try and take the exam after, and he yeah, wasn't able to. Later. He ends up hopping a train. <laughs> yeah, just out of the he just decides to walk away. He's got no home. He's got no business that he thought he would have and he's hasn't gotten his veterinary license because he didn't take that last test but terry when he jumped when he jumps that train Mm -hmm. it's not an empty boxcar right i mean he jumps up on that train yeah it was a depression and train hopping was uh acceptable you know it was a form of transportation for down and out men or men trying to get a you know running away or whatever i think the box car that he got on he didn't realize it but it was filled with uh guys that travel with a circus that right. do circus train yeah but he didn't realize it was a circus train until he was on the train or whatever and then he needed work and he ends up you know kind of hanging out with these guys when the circus gets to its next show place or city and he ends up making a career out of being kind of a circus roadie at first but because of his veterinary experience you know he kind of excelled climbed the yeah. rank of Comes the, the circus vet yeah yeah, yeah, and becomes yeah. his vet. <laughs> and and in the words of the head of the circus, it's all it's all smoke and mirrors anyway. All you're missing is a test. You're our veterinarian. Yeah, but it was August, right? No, that was Uncle Al. Uncle right. Al that Uncle said Al. that. That's right. But in the movie, they made August's character right. an well, amalgamation. They just they just combined them. So right. when you if you watch the movie, it's there's a there's it's two characters in the book and one in the movie. But Uncle Al was not re- initially receptive to Jacob. He was kind of he's already been doing something called redlining, and we'll explain redlining a little later. But he'd already been redlining some of his employees, and now there's another mouth to feed. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Terry. Um, Go ahead. Oh, um, no, that that was I don't have any words. For me to bite on. He's a, he's a circus vet and um, he sort of falls in love with one of the performers. performers. Yeah. And that's kind of a slow romance, you know, because the circus performer turns out to be the wife of jacob or of uh, august, august yeah. the owner of the circus which is his employer at this time so it's a real sketchy you know these guys are rough it's a real sketchy kind of 
relationship because of of that factor. It's his boss. And these are rough people. You know, they don't put up with a bunch of, you know, BS or anything. You know, they'll just as soon kill you (laughs) to get rid of you. So it, it all of that was just kind of uh, a romantic uh, back and forth for a time period without uh, any real touchy or or any openly. You could tell, you know, they were attracted to each other. Right. But it was it was longing glances and uh, and gentle brushes as they walked past. Yeah, well, like you said, yeah. it was slow to develop. It was like. They were told you're not even to speak to Marlena if you're not. Right, uh, right. You can't even speak to her. You know, it's like you just can't lock eyes with her. So it went from that walk on by. degree of, uh, you know, right. a, a situation over time. It became more and more what it became. To him being the vet and the, uh, August really liked having an Ivy League, uh, you know, someone of intelligence and education that he could talk to. And it got to the point where he was eating eating with them at, at lunch and supper every day. And, uh, right. you know, he would sit at the same table with Marlena in August. Mm-hmm. It was a dangerous uh, situation that he found himself in. And it, it, that whole romance was, you know, was fun to watch develop yeah. for me or as far as reading it. And... It's uh, the hierarchy in the circus. I liked learning about that because mm-hmm. it's kind of what goes on just in general society, even. It's a dichotomy. Um, yeah. The and they're, they're separate from yeah. society. They're like their own little country on a train, but right. they operate mm-hmm. kind of the same way, but in a more ruthless uh, kind of uh way of dealing with their issues and their problems and it being set in the in the end of the depression allows for the romanticism of the slow burn romance now terry why don't we why aren't we more sympathetic to august the titular husband of marlena well it First, I kind of was because I felt like, you know, they were going behind his back a little bit. But then when you saw, I think when you saw how he treated his performers, especially Uh toward the beginning, even when the, um, I think it was Silver, the horse that Marlena, Mm -hmm. their star performers, when the horse became lame with, uh, you know, some kind of ankle thing uh-huh. and had to be put down. And August didn't want the horse put down because the horse was a moneymaker as well as his wife. So mm-hmm. he treated his wife pretty much the same way he did his horse. You know, he was going to just. Right. She was uh, a possession. Yeah. Yeah. She was uh, a, the same, the same in the hierarchy as the horses and the animals and right. and yeah, he starts she showing his ass. His, yeah, yeah. She starts showing his ass. Yeah. And um, yeah. and he was. I don't know. What do you think? Is he a psychopath or a sociopath? I think he's more of a psychopath. He was a schizophrenic. Yes, uh, a narcissist for sure. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. the book said he was schizophrenic. 
Was okay. it? He had been diagnosed as schizophrenic. Yeah. But I do think he, he showed a certain amount of disconnect, an emotional disconnect, if you will. Yeah. And I associate that more with um, like a psychopath. Well, I mean, so this relationship kind of was, was brewing. Mm-hmm. After they put down the horse, then they had to find another attraction or else the entire circus was going to go down in flames, right? Because yeah. the, the, those major attractions are what kept them different from Ringling Brothers, different from the other traveling circuses. Mm-hmm. So August went out and found a bull. I never knew they called elephants bulls. Right? Well, they do in, <laughs> in that circus they did. Yeah. In circuses they did. But he went out and found a, a large bull named Rosie. Mm-hmm. For Milena to uh, have an act yeah. with, right. did you get her for well, another failed circus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were right. failing all over the place, and mm-hmm. and the bigger circuses would scavenge scavenge the smaller circuses as they went under for yeah. acts and animals and and that. And I think even you know if the animals weren't worthy of of an act by that time because you know, it dribbles mm-hmm. down. And the lower you are on, uh, on the more expendable you are, you mm-hmm. end up becoming the food for the ones higher up on the, the food chain, you know, so they were feeding the animals, the down, you know, the animals yeah, the, from the down and out circus. The lame horse, you know, was, became food. For yeah. The yeah. And, and, and I want to uh, reiterate here, um, at no point was a lame human shot to feed the big cats. No, you know of. Well, not, it's not, not even implied. <laughs> they throw <laughs> the humans over. Right. They throw the humans off the train while it's moving. Right. That's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or they, before they the elephant. Desperate yet, too. You know. Before they before they got the elephant, we should probably uh, touch on how Jacob was living. He lived with a clown, a, a little person named Walter who went by Kinko. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And um, the guy you that, uh, uh-huh. the guy that found the, the yeah. guy that saved Jacob the first night camel um, was, he was drinking. Uh, it was during prohibition. So he was drinking Jake. something called Jake, which is like Jamaican ginger extract. And it, um, it causes paralysis and a lot of neurological problems and he had something called jake leg and they were they were they were protecting camel from being thrown off the train red lighted because he was uh he was lame and uh unable to really yeah excellent plot point and they owed him money (laughs) and we still don't we like as far as slang we still use the term jake leg for uh someone that has a a bum leg Mm-hmm. I've heard that kind of tossed around it through my growing up years where, you know, it kind of has come to mean anybody now, you know, his was a Jake leg, a real one. Yeah, a real one. Right. Yeah. But if you have a sprained ankle or something for a week, you know, you'll you'll get those comments and someone will use yeah. that term to raja or something. Well, aside from Jacob, I feel like Camel was kind of like the moral uh, center. He was a very uh, moral type character, even though he had vices. He liked to drink, of course, but, you know. Um, 
But it, so they got the elephant, and and that's when things really started to fall apart because we talked about yeah. August was abusive to the elephant because yeah. they, they told him when they picked up this elephant, it's the stupidest animal they'd ever dealt with, and it turned out somebody I forget the guy's name in the circus spoke Polish and was speaking to the elephant. And it followed every command. Oh, I think unfortunately yeah. Jacob did speak Polish at home, so he was able mm -hmm. to. He was able to teach August and Marlena yeah, how to how to get Rosie to do things. Before that, he'd use this, what do they call it, a hook? Yeah, and he'd, oh, stab, yeah. he'd stab Rosie in the side to the point where she bled. You know, it was really... In the elbow and uh, uh, in the side and on the legs. I think Marlena started to really turn against August at that point. She was like... Right, right. Although she'd probably seen some frightening I mean, moments use the horses, but yeah. but anyway, but yeah. So then they teach him, they teach the elephant, they, they teach August actually how to train the elephant mm -hmm. uh, non-violently. But right, you're you're going to say Terry? I'm sorry. Oh, just um, that what I got out of it was that the guy that or the circus they bought the elephant from August, it was the trainer in that circus that sold the elephant was polish so the elephant only knew new polish commands but mm -hmm. jacob came from a polish family that were like first generation immigrants and he knew polish so he was able like you said to uh you know to teach august and whoever's going to be working with the elephant you know the different polish commands so they could communicate with the the elephant and he never really told august that it, they were polish words he just told him these are the words that work right at least not officially and the other thing is and they glossed over this in the movie a lot but in the book the trainer was there when they bought the elephant but the trainer knew the reputation of the Benzini brothers for red lighting, and he refused to be employed by the Benzini brothers when the man, man, whatever, the circus that he was going through went under. He he refused to go. Yeah, I must have missed that part. I... It was really not a lot, but I did get it in the book where... He, he kind of like, it, it was more implied than stated, but basically he said, I won't work for that man. Oh, okay. I just uh, assumed he was uh, the one that was delivering and turning over Rosie to this news. I thought that Jacob knew as soon as Rosie was delivered, he knew that no. he had to speak Polish for the commands. I thought the guy... No, they didn't know at first until she escaped. No. Right. Okay. All right. So after she broke into the garden and came back. Well, I think at the end of this, when we're done with our synopsis, we're going to talk a little bit about the movie, but I'm trying uh -huh. to keep it... Like, for instance, okay. Uncle Al was a pivotal... I'll stop talking about the movie. ...pivotal part of, of, the, the book. of the book. But he doesn't exist in the movie. I kept expecting a guy in a little straw hat and a red-striped suit and a little... <laughs> name, that's a Cincinnati a, joke. Captain Wendy. You know, an accordion. That's how I imagined him, because we had an here in Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah. And your sideshow barbers tend to dress like that. Yeah. The red-striped like, suit. He looks like he's in a barbershop quartet. Right, right, wow. exactly. But he's um, he was a children's television show host in Cincinnati from yeah, like the fifties to the eighties, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. My mom was on that show when she was little. I was on Uncle Al. Terry was on it too. Yeah, yeah. So was our cousins, uh, 
the Casey's, the Casey boys, they went with, we all went together down there. Did you do the twist? No, but mom got to dance with the robot. Oh. <laughs> I was all rather right. proud of my mother. <laughs> my favorite so, part of Uncle Al would be the weather report. Have like little kids dressed as clouds or sunshines, and the little kid come up and go sunny and warm, and walk off. <laughs> and well, then the kids would drive walk past. Yeah, well, Al may have had more in common with August then, than we uh, would have liked to think at the time. But right. that's another. Yeah, adult. Captain Captain yeah. Wendy was known to wear sunglasses inside. But um, so in our story, I think we're about three quarters of the way through the yeah. elephant has been um, uh, I forgot to mention um queenie that's the other roommate of jacob the jack russell terrier that belongs to uh to kinko slash walter right yeah the little dog yeah he he finally um kinko never liked jacob until he told him uh i think to give give the dog a couple teaspoons of honey to fix her constipation or something like that and then yeah. uh then he they then he, then they became friends. Yeah, he won he won the dog over because the dog was kind of you know like those little dogs are you know yappy and fierce. Jack Russell. Yeah, Jack Russell Terrier. Yeah, and, uh, and Kinko had two things that he truly cared about: his uh, special literature and his dog. Well, special well, literature, just... the, the porn. Yeah, he yes. had he had pictures of cartoon porn. porn taped inside his up uh, and he had these porn comics as well but he had pictures of porn taped inside of like shakespeare and and other you know more highbrow works right but he actually read that too oh yeah yeah he read both like i should you know we should spend a second to mention mm -hmm. that this book has a few ribald moments in it as i was reading it i was like my sister suggested this book this is this is almost like Penthouse Magazine. This is like the letters. No, these are like 1930s. Yeah, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. It, 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 some of the sex scenes were very descriptive. It's clear it. that Phil doesn't has never read Penthouse Magazine. Well, <laughs> I've, I've read your dad's Playboys though, and that's yeah. not no, that's, that's not Penthouse. That's a different thing. Oh yeah, that's completely different. I've read some penthouse. Anyway, there are some scenes there in what do they call it? What was the tent called, Aaron? The cooch, the, the, the cooch tent. The cooch tent. Yeah. Was it Barbara or whatever? When she I forgot, did, forgot about Barbara that. did yeah. the coochie dance and the then the all the guys excited yeah. for a for a few pennies more, they could uh, dip their wicks in the company ink. Yeah. Well, and this would be a great segue into the fact that Jacob and Marlena finally consummated their affair yeah, honey you said you didn't want to skip to the end right away we are we're getting yeah. to the end of the we're synopsis not, okay. we're not getting okay. to the end of, there's a lot of things to talk about other than just the synopsis yeah. after after Jacob august Elena even admit they, to their they had an affair okay it, they had well, an affair. before that august beat her right right, right. This was, yeah, Jacob wasn't going to go there. He was going to respect the sanctity of marriage until August beat her. And then all bets were off. She was his woman and he was going to defend her. Right. Um, and um, after after he had her moved to a hotel, staying away from August, you know, keeping her protected, um, he was going to kill him. So he put a knife in his mouth 
and was jumping from train car to train car up to where while August was, is. While, while it was moving. While it was moving. And uh, eventually he gets to August's room and doesn't have the nerve to do it. So he leaves a knife on his pillow. And when he gets back to uh, his own train car, the only one left is Queenie, the dog. And uh, everyone else had been thrown uh, out the box car and over a trestle. And if they, if they wanted to red light you kindly they just threw you off the train while it was moving no, they didn't want to, they didn't want to red light anybody kindly because they owed the oh. money they didn't want them coming back after them well at this point yes but i mean red lighting there were two levels one was just throwing you off the train one was throwing you off the train while it was going over a trestle yeah i, th- I, I got the impression red lighting was killing every time i kind of um, got that impression too or th- that was the intent yeah you know. i i don't know I mean, I got the impression from Camel that it wasn't always about killing, just about dumping. Yeah, well, the he he was just a he would have just been dumped off because he wasn't a a circus person. He just you know somebody jumped on the train in the middle of the night. They were just going to toss him off. Right. They were well. Blackie was going to. That's just not red lighting. Off. Camel stopped. Blackie into allowing him to stay on the train. Right. But, but I, I, that's not the same as a red lighting. I don't think no, that's, no. that's a, that's a death sentence or meant oh, to be. Okay. Yeah. So all of a sudden they were like missing so many of their, uh, their comrades, you know, were turning up missing because of the red lighting and, and they all knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. No, but, no. You know what? At the beginning, when, when Camel explains what, uh, red lighting is to Jacob. He says that uh, if they're kind, they throw you off the train where you can see a red light, i.e. a station. So you can still see the previous station's red light so that you can get back to that town. If they're not kind, they throw you off a trestle. You know, that rings a bell. I think yeah. you're right. I think, ah, I think it was always murder. No. You've convinced me. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I'll go with that. I didn't. I just thought the worst. I guess. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it's still bad. I mean, it's the depression. These people have no. They're they're not clean. They don't know anyone in the town. They've probably just left with a circus where some people were robbed, <clears throat> and now their only option is to go back to that town because they have no food, no possessions, no money. Yeah. I mean, basically, it was almost kinder to throw them off a trestle. Well, so now that we're getting to the end of the, our synopsis part yes. of the yeah. episode, oh. uh, we should do a spoiler alert right here because we're going to talk about the fine, the, the the climax of the film. Well, I think so, one. Uh, we should do the spoiler alert at the beginning because we're doing the yeah. whole. <laughs> well, I can put well, a spo- and, I can put a spoiler alert in there, but right I now, stop you here yeah. because I want to. Um, I want to talk about the poignancy at the beginning of 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 it begins with Jacob is a 90 or 93 year old man. He can't remember how old he is. And he's stuck in this nursing home. And there's like one person that treats him like a human being. And her name is Rosemary or Rosemary. I I can't remember. It was was Rosemary. Rosemary. Okay. And she's the only one that's really kind of kind to him. His family does do an obligatory visit every Sunday, but it's not even always the same person. 
He doesn't know. He doesn't really know half the people that are coming to visit him. Complete strangers could show up and he would have no idea they weren't his relatives because he doesn't really know his great grandchildren. And he does have children and grandchildren and great grandchildren. So that's not a spoiler alert. That's at the very beginning. They talk about that. And the thing that's got him so excited is the circus has come to town and he gets to go see the show and he's so excited and he's sitting in his wheelchair and his son forgets to come. And it's just, my heart is breaking. Okay. I mean, I'm just, I'm literally crying right there. I mean, I'm just like, oh my God, poor thing. And then he does end up, um, he gets on his walker. He can barely take a few steps on his walker. He can go, he can't go very far, but he decides to tough it out and he gets himself. The circus is only a block and a half away. So he gets himself to the circus and the rest of the story goes from there. And it's really, um, it's really heartwarming. Uh, one so thing that caught my attention during that time where uh, he's reminiscing uh, when he's in the, you know, nursing home and that there was another old man in the nursing home when they heard that the circus was coming to town and they were going to take all of the um, patients or the residents to the circus as an outing and that whole week you know with the excitement of the anticipation there was an arrival old man of, of his that was charming and winning over he had his little lunch table all packed with awesome stories about working in the circus and jacob old man jacob's listening to this and knows that guy is full of bs because and the one thing that tipped it off was the term water for elephants yeah. and that he knew that that was at that time there for very few circuses that had elephants and uh, to raise the new, uh, newcomer or whatever, one of the first jobs they always said is, okay, your job's gonna be carrying water for the elephants. And, but it, it, they didn't have any elephants. It was like an insider joke of to see how tough you were if you're gonna, you know, walk away. Cause I imagine they must've drinking off a lot of water. But it was more of an insider circus joke to see uh, if this guy, you know, was going to stick with the job or not or some kind of feeling him out. And uh, and when the rival old man talking to these old ladies and having them all enthralled with him, he became, you know, he was the man to sit at lunch with. and. And he just he's like 10 Jacob. years younger than Jacob, too. Right. He sat back there and just thinking this guy's so full. Oh boy, when he brought up water for elephants, Jacob it just pissed Jacob off because he knew that guy was just feeding those women full of baloney. And yeah. I like that part, you know, that was that was eye-opening. When, when August, when he first met August, or they brought him up for a job, he said, oh, I suppose you want to carry water for elephants. Yep, and everybody kind of winked and nodded and well, smiled because yeah. they didn't until even they found have out he's Until they found out he's a vet. Right, yeah. right. 
Well, I think the title of the, the book kind of draws you in because it's mysterious. Like, what the hell? Water for yeah. elephants. What the, you know. And, and, yeah, what's it about? Yeah. And then uh, at the beginning, it sets the tone because this man says, oh, well, I used to carry the, the man who's bragging to the old lady says I used to carry water to the elephants. Yeah. And and Jacob knew that was bullshit. And he started yelling about it. He was very upset that this uh, this new rooster was coming into his hens. Well, the thing I want um, to is it like when mom was in the nursing home, right? You there could were, see those types of relationships around. You, oh, you there could were, identify anybody that has been through that can identify with that, right? You know, and mm -hmm. and you can see like there's like ten women for every one single man that has any kind of mental faculties left. Now, mind you, Philip's mom, your your mom was on the. Uh, uh you know but uh like for instance the t-shirt that philip is wearing right now uh he would wear it specifically to the nursing home because it was your mom's favorite oh she what, loved like yeah, she loved, huh what does it say on there i can't it's, read it's, it it's for the tv show vikings she loved vikings mm -hmm. because like, you know why she yeah, loved she, vikings she because, had the hots for that blonde that yeah. the, uh, uh ragnar ragnar she yeah. liked she liked the big yeah. dude she liked manly men. Right, yeah, right. these were manly men. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that... she also liked the guys on Swamp. Uh, uh, oh yeah, Gator, the Gator Hunters. The, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> they're manly wrestling them Gators. That's right. Yeah, but her favorite was this guy with no teeth. Shelby. The little guy who's about four foot yeah. five. He looked like Popeye yeah. arms, and he wrestled yeah. alligators. Uh -huh. And he had no teeth and he had blonde hair. I think he punched. He was actually him. pretty good looking. All right. So we can't start talking about animal cruelty. Now. But yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He would punch the gators. Yeah. No. So well, anyway, there, there were some survivors from the from the red lighting. And right, they, right. they came back to the circus and to get revenge, they started a stampede of the animals. Mm -hmm. And um, in the course of all the confusion, Rosie, the elephant, pulled her spike out of the ground and killed August with it. She split him in the head. Mm -hmm. August was to, to be fair, August was attacking Marlena and Jacob. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they later find uncle Al, uh, what, garroted rolled up in a tarp and garroted. Yeah. yeah. I have to wonder if they didn't use the stampede, not so much to get revenge as to cover up uh, the death of uncle Al mm -hmm. because uncle Al was already dead when the stampede occurred. Yeah. And then we should go ahead and spoil the whole thing by saying Jacob, Marlena, and Rosie survived the, the greatest circus uh, disaster, by the way, of all of, time. Of all time. And uh, well, animal related. Went off and joined Ringling Brothers. Also, they got married and had children and lived yeah. to be old. Seven years. children, right? Yeah. yeah. I thought it was five. Huh? I don't know, but they took Rosie with them, so they may have been took, counting Rosie. Took Rosie, Rosie and a bunch Rosie, of animals the horses with them. and the chimpanzee. Most people have a dog. I don't know. That's <laughs> but um, what did, in did fact, Rosie Rosie. I'm not going to tell you about Rogie, Rosie's criminal career. You'll have to read. They probably them. did take Queenie. They probably did. Yeah, I hope so. Can't, <laughs> can't imagine them abandoning her. Abandoning her. So now yeah. let's go around the room and talk about. Yeah, especially since Marlena had a soft spot for her. Let's do like a two minute, mm -hmm. like we do in our um, mm -hmm. our movie episodes, maybe a two minute uh, impressions of the book. Mm -hmm. And then we'll do a two minute impression or 
maybe just a three minutes on the book and the movie. I don't know. Okay. However you want to do it. Just whatever's on your mind. About well, how about we experience. each do a couple minutes on the book? Okay. And then we will all discuss. Hey, Terry, have you seen the movie? Yes. Yeah. I've and not I seen watched, the movie. I rewatched it too. I, I read the book first and uh, I lent the book to a friend of mine. And when she brought the book back to me after she read it, she delivered it with the DVD. And I just, and I watched it way oh, a couple of years ago. And then I just, because we were doing this, I rewatched it. Yeah. So the movie is probably fresher in my mind than the book when I read it. Yeah. But I browsed through that again, too, through the book to prepare for this. Okay. Cool. Okay. And now uh, one of the things I'd like to do is discuss casting, of course, of the movie. Okay. But uh, who wants to go first on the book? Let's let our guest, my sister, my wonderful sister. You can Terry, set go. the order, Terry. You tell who to go first. Okay. I'm going to. You talked to. Oh, we select. Okay, Lisa, Lisa, I want to hear this about the casting because I already know what's on your mind and I have. Oh, uh, well, right now we're talking about the book. Okay. I, uh, as far as the book goes, I didn't want to read it. Honestly, I didn't. So thank you, Terry, because I ended up loving it. We didn't tell you guys the book. Why did you not want to read it? which is beautiful. Because it didn't have any fairies because, or dragons or uh, druids or anything. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Regular people. Like sci-fi fantasy. Yeah. Right. Okay. But it, I had heard so many things about it and I'd started to read it at one point a long time ago and it was just so depressing. And when his family didn't show up to take him to the, to the circus, I closed the book and put it away. Oh. I was like, and, and so I really didn't want to read it now, currently, but I did. And I'm glad I did because the ending that we are not going to tell you guys about is so worth. I know Philip oh, told yes, you about yes. how Let's withhold you know, that they, ending. Lived their, they lived their lives and everything and he ends up in the nursing home. But the way it ends is such a circle of life and so amazingly wonderful i was so happy we all know what we're, was, we all know what you're talking about right philip didn't even know he hadn't read the book book yet but i was like giggling with happiness yeah. at the very end i was so thrilled maybe with we'll, how it ended maybe we'll take a vote on whether or not yeah. we should reveal the actual okay ending. okay so uh uh terry who's next yeah i i wouldn't listen to a book club podcast unless i read the books right okay. exactly <laughs> So I say we go ahead and spoil it. Right. Go ahead and oh, talk okay. about it, Lise. Okay. Well, uh, you want to do that, Aaron? Um, or so, uh, Terry? Yeah, you, you discussed earlier, he got on his walker and went by himself to the circus. Mm-hmm. And um, he he got there and didn't have a ticket. And he was talking with the man about, you know, the ticket taker, whoever, about his days in the Benzini Brothers Circus. And that was the that was the worst circus disaster of all time. And he was fascinated by it and wanted to hear all of his stories. And he ended up uh, getting a job as a ticket taker, I think. Yeah, the, well, the owner came by was. and noticed uh, the ticket taker having an argument with this basically rickety old man with a walker. So the owner That's went it. and got a wheelchair and he was talking about the Benzini Brothers Circus and having been on the Benzini Brothers. And the owner knew about the history of circus disasters and wanted to hear about it. Yeah. 
Yes. And after two bottles of whiskey, he had a job. So also, at 93, he ran away with the circus. Right. <laughs> yeah. I loved that. I Better oh, than I Walmart greeter, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, I could deal with being a Walmart greeter if it was, you know, as long as they treat you decently and let you go to the bathroom. That's the only reason I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Well, well said. Thank you. Well said. <laughs> so Terry, what were your impressions of the book? I mean, how did how'd you feel about it? Well, um, when I first, you know, got the book and everything, I was excited about it. And so I went into the book with um, you know, mm-hmm. expecting an adventure kind of thing and it delivered and I love the pictures in the book of the old circus days and the circus has always uh fascinated me thanks for mentioning those I forgot about those what's that the the photos are great yeah from from like all the different circus museums and stuff yeah because those things were beautiful so everyone had those in ours well oh we did the audio book oh oh well, between um, each chapter, they had um, they had vintage photos from old circuses from, you know, Ringling or Barnum or, or circuses that you maybe never heard of in Florida and stuff. That's cool. And they mm-hmm. still have the uh, the traveling circus is now what we would consider to be a carnival. And that circus, um, the circus posters, the mm-hmm. graphics on them are mm-hmm. like so beautiful they're so um so well done you know they're museum quality things now as far as like antiques and that because they were just so vibrant and so uh you know drew you in i can see you know how those posters just drew the crowds in because they were you know just great right in And then when you would go to the side shows at the circus, you know, they always have the big banners of, you know, come see the, let's see, what it, what was some of them I saw? The 800-pound oh. woman, the strongest man in the world, the uh, the tattooed man who was uh, kidnapped by uh, Bornean um, uh, tribesmen or by Bornean tribesmen and forced to endure week, months and or like a year in captivity, getting tattooed over every inch of his body. And those, uh, the ones that I saw, like back when they still had the sideshows and stuff, were I saw the flipper man. He was supposed to be mm-hmm. like half dolphin and half human. And when you got in there, you know, it was a birth, def- a man with a birth, birth yeah. defense. Yeah, he had like wet thalidomide baby or something. Yeah, but the poster shows him like flipper with a human face, you know. And yeah. so you, I gotta see this, and then yeah. you go in there, and it's it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's JoJo the dog face boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's somebody. Yeah, that yeah. People there was just have- a kid with that uh, weird hair problem. Yeah, <laughs> they grow well, hair and, all over their face. And, 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 of, and, and canines come down. And yeah. one of the, the famous Benzini brother uh, tricks was uh, when the hippo died, they pickled it and continued to display it yeah. for like three months. <laughs> Just a dead hippo. Wow. 
People just see this dead hippo in pickle juice. Do you remember that film Freaks? Did you ever see that? I never oh, did. I did. Is that about the Jim Rose Circus? It's older than the Jim Rose Solder. Circus, but I think Terry may have seen it. Yeah. Yeah, and it was uh, a circus or circus type acts, the performers, and it was almost like a reality kind of thing, their yeah. everyday life and stuff. That was interesting. <laughs> I I watched that. But they had like Siamese twins and... Um, uh, yeah, all the Siamese twins. Like an the, ogre, a guy who was an ogre. And, 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 you know, people would talk about sympathy for it and all that. It was kind of sad. But, yeah, the movie but, was sad. But at the same time, some of these people had nowhere else to go. True. It and was they had home and their community. And, and they were the star. You know, mm-hmm. the 400, the 800 pound woman was actually 400, but no one really cared. You know, imagine, imagine you lived in like Idaho or something like that mm-hmm. in the Depression era. There's no entertainment. There's like the no radio TV. is the uh, radio is eh, probably terrible on for two hours a day. And then this circus comes to town and it's like the most I mean, that would be unbelievable. That would be I mean, very, especially very if those exciting. posters are being posted in advance and anticipation mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. I mean, you where else would a dead pickled hippo? Well, but you also get to see. And you know what? They could have advertised it as a pickled hippo and, well, and continued showing it. Imagine, and I don't think people would have cared. Imagine like, you're a 15 year old boy and you see this beautiful woman still a doing hippo. aerial acts or, you know, the right. Marlena on the elephant or something. Would yeah. you ever get, to, get to see something like that? Okay. The yeah, fact the that they tent. had to have a white horse, tent, right. a white horse for the show because they didn't want the chalk dust that the girls would use to help keep them on the animal to show on the coat of a black horse hmm. they didn't want anything to take you out of the moment dad used to take us down now this when the circus came to cincinnati gardens every year yeah. they would come in with a circus with the train the co- really vibrant uh cars and everything painted you know all kinds of circus colors and they would park down there uh by come in it was at waterworks is where they would come in and probably wow. unload from there to you know on trucks to go to uh oh, wow. to the right, garden right through norwood huh right through norwood yeah he used to take us down there every year to watch the circus train come in and and it was always, you know, a big deal. It and wasn't then, as much of a thing by the, the mid-60s. Well, I know? will say that, Terry, you took me to my first uh, circus, and it was prof- had a profound effect on me. Um, so that's why I found mm-hmm. nostalgic about this book that you selected it. It was like, made me remember that when you took me it's, to. It, it, it does have an effect on you and mm-hmm. stuff. I'm glad yeah. that you remember it and enjoyed it because... Uh, I think the first time I saw the circus was uh, with Lori and Barb and uh, Lori's parents took us and it was uh, Kenny and I, he, she, they, we went with them and mom and dad was home, stayed home. With, I think Brenda was little then, too little to go. Yeah. And it was so exciting and just so uh so thrilling and everything you know to see the acts and and it's also good for um 
like a tension deficit because you've got three rings. And so you got, much is going on. Oh, <laughs> you got some kind of action going on in each mm -hmm. ring. And then clowns uh, besides. What's that? And then, and then cloud clowns besides that. Yeah, That's running around the side of the ring and everything, and just you know the music. And Kenny got so excited that he uh he puked. All the excitement, you're you know, I mean, he was what like maybe three or four? He was probably uh, let's see, he's three years younger than me, and I was about maybe eight or nine. What would that make him? Four, five. five or six, yeah, I'd say five or six. Yeah. And then Brenda was then, still a baby. Plus, they're giving you all that unfamiliar food. You're in this amazing, exciting experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, cotton candy. Yeah, yeah. cotton candy, yeah. popcorn, hot dogs, pop. Yep, sure and we had like pocket money to buy the goofy hats. You know, we got to pick out a souvenir because, you know, my parents gave us some pocket money to take with us for popcorn and all that. And and then when uh, Ken threw up, you know, it wasn't really, it's all concrete in there, you know, right, uh, right. where the seats are, the seating. And and he kind of threw up into his popcorn container. And, yeah, kind of half on the floor. So it wasn't a big ordeal. We didn't miss the show. We just helped him wipe his mouth off and <laughs> show went on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poor little dude. And, what what's your first uh, circus story, Aaron? I vaguely remember going to one when I was maybe six or seven, but I don't remember much about it. I I know there were elephants and clowns. I think I was scared of the clowns. Oh well, and that and the scared of the clown story. Um, I was four when my dad took us for our first first uh, circus, and I know this story because I was told this story over and over my parents did not have a lot of money right then dad was getting ready to switch jobs because they were moving to louisville but they had gotten circus tickets so they go there my dad spends 30 dollars they didn't have on popcorn and soda and cotton candy we go in we sit down i am ecstatic can't sit still my nine-year-old brother is with us He's excited. You know, I mean, we're kids. My dad's just happy to be able to share this, this memory with us. In come the clowns. Out goes the Lisa. <laughs> I got past the, and we were sitting in the middle. I got past everyone in the row. My dad's like, grab her. People are trying to grab me. I shoot past them. I get out of the area. And I am literally hiding in a corner with my heads down going, no, 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 no. Terrified of clowns. Absolute terror. I'm crying. My dad had to take me home. He vowed never to take me to the circus again. And he did it. Hmm. There's but, a I mean, reason. That's a, that's a cute family memory for us. <laughs> but, you know. Well, but it was, I mean, if then they made a movie it with humor, they made a movie about it called It. Yeah, right. 
<laughs> I will not be watching that movie. <laughs> nope. I will not watch Killer what about Crowns Snakes on a Plane? Space. I will not watch Snakes on a Plane. I will not watch it. There's a There's few. A pretty much oh, okay. add snake or clown to it. I'm not there. There's a reason for uh, clown fear because it is very yeah. common. And particularly with children, it starts with children, you know, young yeah. children. And the theory behind it is that uh, children, you know, from a very young age, read faces is what they do to figure out what's really going, you know, going on in the adult world. And they can tell by the face of the person. So they learn real quickly one of our earliest communication uh, skills is reading faces and with a clown because of all the makeup. Okay. You've got, say you've got a clown with this big bright red smile on a white face. And so it appears that he's smiling and happy and jolly, but his real features, the mouth underneath isn't smiling all the time. Right. And his eyes that are painted to be all happy looking may not you know be may not be expressing jolly attitude that the painted face over his features is expressing and kids pick up on that so it's like a it it it's like a double meaning to them it, it's confusing not to be trusted not you know yeah. it's, it's, it's that kind of thing yeah, yeah it's a mixed message if, if you want a little more about that, there's some interesting videos on YouTube where children are meeting their, their parents' twin for the first time and they're, they're infants and they're like maybe three, six months old and there's definite, they know that's not their parent. And mm -hmm. the other thing is the other cute ones are the ones where um, the, the parent, like the dad shaves off a, a thick beard or the mom gets a different hair color and they really, these kids, they get upset. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's adorable, but they get, it's definite there's something behind that. Well, let me yeah. go ahead and give you my impression of the book. Okay. As we were doing. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, just real quickly. You'll be fine. I like the fine. parts where Jacob was older, <laughs> mm -hmm. where he was talking about, it. I think it really fleshes out the story and to be able to see you know, these dy the dynamic between him and his rival for the attention of the females at the home is uh, general uh, cantankerousness kind of reminded me. I kind of imagine him being kind of like Mr. Harris, if Terry yeah. remembers Mr. Harris that lived across the street. I remember Mr. Harris. Yeah, kind of a grumpy. I was there for a little while. Grouchy dude, you know, but worldly. Across the street. At the, at the apartment building. Remember oh, it's the apartment building. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't remember Mr. Harris. Well, he was pretty rough. Was but... he? Well, he I remember me. him, and I was 12 when I lived across the street from, or I was 14, yeah. and you were 12 when I lived across the street from you. So it may be that he wasn't as much of a, you know, when, by the time Terry, Terry had moved by then. But worldly. Like okay. he'd seen yeah. some things. Like maybe he'd been yeah. in a, uh, that's why he was crouching. You know, He'd Jacob wasn't obviously in war, but he was mm -hmm. a, uh, you know, with traveling with the circus was a hard life. You know, I mean, he mm -hmm. he had done that for years upon years upon years. He was a kind of a weathered in man, you know. So mm -hmm. I felt like that led a, lent a lot to the story of the book. Mm -hmm. um, 
it wasn't necessarily there in the movie. Right. Um, a lot of the times the movie will miss a nuance. Yeah. Yeah. That that makes the that informs the book a little bit. So I got lost in the weeds sometimes when it went to the, the main story about mm-hmm. that was contemporaneous to the depression. Right. It was like right. I would my mind would drift a little bit mm-hmm. every step every now and then. So I'd miss some details, you know. Yeah. But um, you were listening, not reading. Yeah. Yeah. But I do that when yeah, I read. That's too. why I read. I, no, I don't I do, do as well when I listen. Yeah. I I do. My mind drifts whether do. I'm reading or listening. It's much choice. I don't have you can always time. always just look over the sentence again if your mind drifts. Where do I leave right. off? Oh yeah. Well, what's the last thing I remember? It's a discipline to read. Discipline issue. Yeah. yeah. They say I that. Think so. I, I'm I, okay. I read a little bit about Lincoln recently. They said Lincoln when he when he read he went almost into a trance where he was incommunicable, like he would not be could not be interrupted when he reads. My mind drifts. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I felt like the book, it was written by a woman. I didn't, I couldn't tell it necessarily when she was writing the male mm-hmm. characters. But mm-hmm. the, the only time I felt like it may have been a woman writing the story was when he kept saying, he hit her. He hit her. To me, that sounded like a woman. Maybe a man in that era would not. Wouldn't have been would quite not, so. Would, would not have been in such disbelief. That he hit her, you know. It's like because well, unfortunately, at that time, it was well, unless it was the love we, of your life, right? Well, and also we have to think about. Okay, well, yeah, that's a good point, Aaron. One thing we have to think about how he was raised, and it's obvious that his father was a kindly man who had respect for his mother. And then he goes to Cornell I think we're getting, University, we're getting way off where the, there are girls in veterinary medicine. I understand he loved so her, and he, it, he would never lay hands. It, his love of Marlena might make him take more of an offense to the fact that August hit her because it gave him an excuse to think August doesn't deserve to have this woman, right? Sure. <laughs> Okay, that's I all. Mean, it could be yeah. a self-justification. It, it's, nit, it's nitpicky. It's, it's nitpicky. a double sword there. Yeah. I think it's the way he was raised. He was raised in a small town and went to Cornell University. Yeah. Very insulated. Okay. It, it's and it's almost of no consequence, but I just felt like that was the only time when it seemed like. And, and back then. The it, female voice may have rose above the male voice just in that. In instant. that moment. But the narrative yeah. was very true, I think, to the characters, male and female yeah. throughout. So I think it was well-written. Right. Story. Right. And no. men always fall for the damsel in distress. Yeah. That's an age-old story, too. And right. goes on. And Sometimes so. their psychopath husband murders them. Yeah. Well, you look yeah. at me like that. I ain't going to do nothing like that. Um, <laughs> but so I just looked at you. I, I enjoyed the book. Bo- I enjoyed the book more than I did, for instance, The Long Walk, the last one. We you, did. you looked right. at him after you said psychopath husband, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was just <laughs> looking at him, like, see my point, psychopaths. Yeah. But I mean, if you think about it, even up into the 50s and 60s, if a woman reported even probably into the 70s if a woman reported her husband for abuse um the police had the tendency to go oh well he's your husband yeah right and it was even legal in the united states for a husband to discipline his wife true true but if if an outside male has a little eye for that particular woman He's going to view her as a damsel in distress and try to rescue her. 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I very clearly made Philip know that at the beginning of our marriage, that uh, that if it turned out that he was some kind of an abuser, I wouldn't call the cops. Say that again. <laughs> what? You're killing. Had Phil, I made it clear to Philip at the beginning of our marriage that uh, if uh, if he did, if he was in some way abusive towards me, I wouldn't call the cops. Okay. How about you, Aaron? What do you think of the book? I'd call my <laughs> Appalachian relatives. They all, all cornered me at the wedding, and it's like, but I haven't seen him since then, so I feel like you know we're kind of yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that is, you know, and, and I never I'm thought if I would marry him, I thought he was this. Do what, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around uh, uh, what you said a couple sentences ago, your Appalachian relatives and taking care of Phil or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They all did cor- at our wedding. They all did corner me and say, if you do anything, to, you know, if you they, they said you're welcome in the family and everything. But it was very clear that I was not to be an asshole. So. so this is how she keeps I got cousins that still live in the hollers. So I've tried to not be an asshole. I can't help myself occasionally, but I'm not an abusive asshole. Well, but what you have to understand too is that um, when we got married, my family had been driving past this place called the Cobra Club. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Terry knows all about it. And they thought it was a biker gang, a murderous banker gang. So my mom and aunt would get this thrill and they'd speed up as we drove past the Cobra Club. Little did they know it was a bunch of middle-aged people with outboard motors. Yeah, it's a Cincinnati outboard runabout association. Mom painted that sign too. Did you know that, Phil? (laughs) Yeah, I did. I didn't. I didn't know you knew that. I did because they repainted it. They repainted it. They repainted it when I was a young kid, a young young boy. Yeah. and mom originally painted it on our dining room table, that round table that sat in the dining room. It sits out in our yep. garage right now. Yep, we have it. it yeah. The sign? The, the table. table. Oh, the table. <laughs> now we have the table and those oh so comfortable chairs. And the Paul Dixon chair. Yeah, yep, the one she won on Paul Dixon. That's All right, Aaron, what... let's hear your little two minutes on the book. Yeah, I had no expectations. I picked it up from the library. Saw so, uh, saw on the cover. There's a circus tent with a you know a ringmaster or whatever walking through, and uh, you know read it in a day or two or three and enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, it was I didn't a watch the movie. movie. I had no had no expectations one way or the other. So uh, yeah, I think yeah it was a it was a good book, well written and yeah, I dug no, it. Um, cool ending. I will say that for me, Christoph. Okay, well, let's we, get into the movie oh, now. Okay, you're talking yes. about the movie. Let's okay. do a few yeah. minutes on the movie and then mm-hmm. wrap it up. And then wrap up. Yeah. Uh, for me, Christoph Waltz stole the movie as the Christoph August Waltz is in the movie. Flash Al. He He's plays August. August in the movie. Yeah. He plays a. Did you see the one with uh, with Reese Witherspoon and Robert Pattinson? I still did not see the movie. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, Christoph Waltz is in the movie. He plays a character that's a hybrid between Uncle Al and August. Yeah. He serves mm-hmm. two roles in the movie. Right. And he's married to Marlena. So does he get killed by the elephant or does he get garroted? He gets killed by the elephant. They stick with that. They lose the whole. They really, I mean, if you think about it, Uncle Al, if you lose Uncle Al's character from the book, 
you really haven't lost that much. And they kind of just morphed it into right. They, they put him into they they made everything that Uncle Al did. August did, and then he also did the August. Stuff. So he, he's the owner and the animal trainer. Right. Uh huh. He runs the menagerie. He owns it, and he runs the big time. And he does the. And he's the uh, what's his name? Ringmaster. Uh, the ringmaster. MC. Yeah. Whereas in the book, August was the ringmaster and the owner. Uh, August was the trainer. Al was. August was the menagerie, the menagerie manager. Yeah. Yeah. In effect, yeah. Which is how Marlena ended up working with the horses and eventually the elephant. I thought Christoph Waltz, he's one of my favorite actors. He did such a good job. It's just, he's great. I mean, he just looks insidious. You know, he smiles. Bingo. Loaded. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like he's and his accent isn't as strong in this, which is interesting because in later films, in glorious, it's in glorious bastards and such. I didn't realize he was putting on the strength of his accent for that. I'd like to see him do a role like where he's just a dad or something, something mundane, just to see. But he, he plays. Yeah, this... I want him. I want to see him in the remake of uh, um, of uh, 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 the one where the daughter gets married oh, with Steve Martin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Didn't they just do another remake of Father of the Bride? Really? Oh, okay. Well, I don't think they needed to. Beside the point. I really like Reese Witherspoon. They did a revisit of it. Or they're, you know, they put out the part three. I don't know know if they filmed it, but it's them. It's just many years later. You're talking about the Steve Martin movie? Yeah. Father of the Bride. Father of the Bride and Father of the Bride part two. Yeah. Yeah. But you're saying they should do a part three? No. Oh, okay. But I think they did. Of course, well, that the, might be an SNL skit. The loss. So let's just never mind. Yeah, they just did. But I think I would like to see him do like a comedy, just to see if he. I think he can. The but, Steve Martin movie itself was a remake. Sorry. Yes, it was. <laughs> but he plays such a good villain. You know, he's yeah. one of the yeah. kind of yeah. lovable. But, I mean, I still like to see some range. He's kind of one of those lovable. Uh, villains because you can see his weaknesses in his characters and, and he's an attractive um, you know you know he's good looking so you kind of almost he can't be you know there's a point at which someone in history everywhere has said oh it can't be him he's too pretty you know he's too good looking he's not ugly only ugly people are bad no, he's yeah, he's I, one of my. I guess I liked the bad guy to begin with, right? I, you know, I always liked the bad guy. Mm-hmm. But it's the actors say it's the easiest role to play or whatever. But right, he wears right. it like it's a glove. It's fun like because you know, his facial expressions, everything is loaded with him. But then, he, like, like Terry says, he can be like engaging. Right, he right. can make you think he's you know a gentleman or whatever, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he just turn on you. But I, I like Reese uh, Reese. Witherspoon also I've heard things that she's kind of like difficult on the set or whatever but she... yeah kind of uh that uh don't 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 make eye contact and don't speak to her comment in the book and in the movie you can you can see that with her yeah apparently. the hottiness kind of you know yeah. when yeah around other people but then again too you, you also can see her soft side mm-hmm. in the movie you know she played Definitely. it yeah. Well, and, and for, for me, I do want to say when an actresses get a reputation for being difficult, a woman asking for exactly the same thing as a man is a difficult 
bitch, whereas a man is simply asserting his rights. That's, uh, that's, I'm done. Yeah, it's like that in every field, I think, yeah. no matter acting, office work, anything. Yeah, we should say that uh, there were accusations, I don't know how severe or real they were, that uh, animals were not treated ideally on the set, uh, were hypersensitive to that sometimes, but actually were uh, being uh, thorough, and, and so I don't know, you know, I don't know how far that went. The movie certainly drew attention to the abuse of Rosie and the, you know, the horse in the movie. So yeah. hopefully there's no. The, the, the elephant, the elephant, I... the literal elephant in the room. Well, the elephant and the horse at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought you were mixing up the Rosie with the horse, yeah. but you were uh, talking about both of them. So I apologize. I Never feel mind. like the movie fell down a little bit mm -hmm. and the, in portraying, uh, Jacob is an elderly man. They didn't really cover a lot of those nuances that the book did about his family and life inside the walls of the, you know, the they didn't place make where he stayed. His, that, the sadness of his situation clear. And I didn't like, I like uh, uh, Hal Holbrook. I like him. He played Lincoln. He, you know, I, Hal Holbrook? Yeah, I didn't love is him. He, is he Jacob? Yeah. yeah. He was the uh, aged Jacob. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, he's not 23-year-old Jacob. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I didn't buy him. Makeup can do a hell of a lot. I didn't buy him as Jacob. No? Hal Holbrook? Yeah. To me, he was too soft. There's something about him. I don't know. There's something about him. Like I was talking before, Jacob. Wasn't curmudgeon enough? Yeah. Like the young Jacob was Robert Pattinson. And yeah. And in the book, he was an angry old man. Yeah. And, and Pattinson, I, I made a joke that he, he kind of reminded me of if Peyton Manning and Joaquin Phoenix had a baby. There was something about him that was just, not that he was like a hideous man or anything like that, but he looked like. A, I, I don't find him that attractive. <laughs> but but, but how Holbrook did not seem like a natural graduation from Robert Pattinson. From that, yeah. Yeah. But it did. I bought it because of the eyes and okay. the way older Jacob. There's something about younger Jacob and older Jacob where their eyes and those eyebrows, they both use their eyes in the same manner. And like when you haven't seen uh, maybe a friend since they were a little kid, you can pick them out uh, always in a crowd or something and, you, and they're familiar to you. And it's always the eyes. The eyes don't change i guess you'd say as you age <clears throat> yeah. and i think the movie did a good job i don't know if it was the makeup or uh you know mimicking each other's expressions right but right. the graduation <laughs> from young jacob to old jacob convinced me i bought it you know that 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 was him and it was the eyes that did it well you mentioned the eyes i would say that when he's um, talking to the circus uh, boss or whoever at the end, his mm -hmm. eyes were, were pleading eyes when he was set, he was pleading with him for that job. Begging him to take him. And I think that's where Holbrook's acting talent comes out. He's obviously a great actor, but yeah. Okay. Well, we don't agree on everything. Yeah. Sis. That's okay. Well, oh, I do agree with the fact you... uh -huh. uh, body image wise, he was too, you know, to have, 
you know, I kind of thought I, I kind of agree with what Phil was saying that that uh, the old Jacob hard to see point A to point B. Yeah, it's like he hadn't exercised or something for a while. He was a little soft, like, you know, you could poke him in his belly. And uh, and that probably wouldn't, wouldn't really be, he would probably have been leaner. But well, then... he does say that he put he had, on a few pounds. <laughs> you know, I and not... Say. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I, I mean, I, all I was going to say, and I think you cut out for a second there, so, uh, but all I was going to say there was that... Uh, they kind of glossed over that part at the in the movie. Yeah, I thought so. Too. In the book, it was like two or three chapters. Mm -hmm. In the movie, I mean, they really established how bad this guy's situation was and how sad he was about it. We may have been prejudiced yeah. too by the the voice of the actor that we listened to on the audio book. That's that's yeah, been. that could make a difference. Prejudiced but, by that, but I I don't I don't know. I thought I mean, he was very good. I, felt the, I really feel the movie just kind of skipped over a lot with that. Right. And I felt I almost felt. I mean, did anybody else feel that the elderly portion at the beginning was rushed, almost as if they weren't even going to do it at all, and then they just added it in like at the last minute. I did. I felt like that when I watched the movie yeah. because the book went into more of uh, the nursing home situation and and that kind of thing in his relationship with the other residents of the nursing home. Right. And the movie skimmed over that almost entirely. You know, he the first scene, you know, you just see him wandering around in the parking lot after the circus is closed up. Right, right. And he did get there before the circus closed. And and he ended up talking to the owner of the uh, the circus, who's, uh, it turns out that the owner had had someone, like a relative that had been with the Benzini, Benzini Circus when it closed. Mm, well. Um, so, casting. Do you guys like the casting? I love Christoph Waltz's August. I think he's great. If you want to see him as not a villain, he's a... I'd like to see him as not a villain in a he's, movie. He's yeah. in the French Dispatch. He's an art collector. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, thank you, Aaron. We sure. haven't seen that yet. I'm working on it. Sure, he's not like buying it on the sly, you know, some back alley or black market. Or something. <laughs> you haven't seen it yet? A villain. <laughs> I keep... I, we've talked about it, Aaron. It's a weird I, trust, I trust issues. I'm trying to get him to watch it, but he doesn't like farce. So it's it's a hard sell. I'll check but, it out uh, now since you But also, it. I don't find Robert Pattinson attractive, although this is the most attractive I have found him in a role. Um, and I do not find uh, the description of Marlena in the book. I didn't feel it fit Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, Reese Witherspoon. I I didn't because I I didn't really know there was a movie until the podcast. I don't think. Right. I was picturing honestly. I was picturing Brittany Murphy. I know she's already dead, but that's who I had in my head. I had someone of, like darker in my head, like a you know not blonde. Well, no, but but Brittany Murphy isn't blonde. Wasn't blonde. She was the, the curly hair. Uh, 
she was in uh, um, American Beauty. No, yeah, well, she was in that, but no, um, I, no, she wasn't. No, Alicia Silverstone, the movie with the silver spoons or something. Oh, no, um, you, you know what I mean. Yeah, right. Yeah, she was, she was the unfortunate girl that they helped fashion wise. All right, so and she has she passed away tragically, but um, and, and very young, she wasn't even 30. I think she was maybe like just 31 or something, but, uh, but I was picturing her because the way they described the girl, Brittany Murphy would have had that wayfish quality. If I were to cast this movie today, I do believe that um, uh, uh, what's her name? The girl that plays Wendy Wednesday would, would get the role. You were going to say something, Terry. Huh? You were going to say something. What do you think? Of, what would you think about a young Faye Dunaway? Oh, yeah. I can see that. You need, but you see, Reese Witherspoon is too um, strong American beauty, whereas Marlena was supposed to be somewhat delicate, the kind of smaller woman who made people want to take care of her. Faye Dunaway. That's kind of, yeah. you know, she has the hard, hard edge, the, the beauty, but also is vulnerable. And yeah. she's yeah. got the eyes for it. That's for sure. Yeah, you want those. And that was one of the things they described. They described dark hair and big eyes. And with the big eyes, that was where I, I thought, and a, like a smallish face. And I thought of Brittany Murphy. All right. So director was Francis Lawrence. Mm hmm. And the release date it was okay. Nominate or it won three. Oh boy, why did I get into this? I don't know. It won three, <laughs> three People's <laughs> Choice Awards, a Rembrandt Award, but no Oscars. It scored a six and a half out of ten on Rotten Tomatoes. I think give it a higher score than six. And a I half. thought it was or six point nine out of ten on IMDb. Yeah. I would give it at least a seven, even a seven and a half, maybe. 2000. If they recast Pattinson, I might even talk. I might talk. I, I had no problem with the cast except for Holbrook, as I mentioned. Yeah. Who I'm sorry, Hal, because I like him otherwise. I felt like there was so little Hal Holbrook that I barely even thought of him as a cast member. More of a narrator. Yeah. And of course, you know, the, uh, the dwarf would be played by, uh, what's his name? Peter Dinklage now. Because that's just what they do. Well, Although I'd like the comedian Brad Williams. I think he'd do a good job. And he is he does do serious acting as well as comedic. I feel like this has been an excellent episode of Between the Covers. Mm -hmm. And I think Aaron should uh, it's time to close the book on Between the Covers. <laughs> <laughs> you do that so well. We have social Twitter. Yeah, uh-huh. Pod. Instagram. Yeah, uh-huh. Pod. Facebook. Yeah, uh-huh. Pod. Website. www.yeah-uh-huh.com. So let us know. Hit us back. Have a great week. Hey.